because of my work, I spend more time in cemeteries than most people do. And so I have seen a lot of graves. I have seen uh, tombstones uh, kicked over, but I have never seen where someone broke open a grave, where they dug aside the newly laid sod, pushed down through the, the loose dirt that had just been filled in there, and then busted through the lid of the coffin and took out the body. I mean, who would do that? I cannot imagine going out to the cemetery to lay flowers on the grave of my loved one and finding that. That, that uh, is exactly, though, that obscenity is, is what Mary Magdalene and four other women found early Sunday morning when they go to care for the body of their dear friend and their teacher who had been executed on Friday. It says, very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone had been rolled away. That's weird. Who would be strong enough to push a large slab of rock uphill to open up that entrance? So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, that's really weird. That's weirder than weird. Where'd the body go? Who would want it? But what's weirder than weirder than weird as they look around is that lying right there are all the strips of linen cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' body before it was shoved into the tomb. Now, if you're moving a body, you take it and go. Why would you unwrap it first? That's like holding up a bank, and after the cashier hands you stacks of $100 bills, you stand there with the cameras running and the police on their way and take the little paper holder off the, each stack of bills, leave those on the floor. Nobody does that. And in one of the great understatements of all time, the Bible says these women were puzzled. <laughs> this does not make sense. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes, and they asked, why are you looking among the dead for somebody who's alive? <laughs> I love the humor. He's not here. He's risen from the dead. Remember? Remember what he told you back in Galilee that the Son of Man must be betrayed and into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, but he would rise again on the third day. Remember that? And they're like, yeah, we do. We remember that. And so they rush back from the tomb and tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. There's at least five women here. There's Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, several others, who tell the apostles what happened. And here's the reaction. The story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. It sounded like nonsense. That makes no sense. So now the men are puzzled because standing here are five or more women that they know saying something happened. They're, they, they seem to believe something happened, 
But what these women are saying is really ludicrous. And so, in one of our first recorded cases of mansplaining, <laughs> they figure, well, we can either believe that Jesus, who was brutally killed with lethal power by the Roman soldiers, just happened to get up and walk back out of a cemetery today, or we can believe you're crazy. We, that's easy. We believe you're crazy. What is it that takes, what does it take for these men who don't get the angels to convince them that the nonsense is sense? Well, Jesus, their dead friend, starts showing up in places. Like alive. Like standing there, talking to them, having conversations, knowing what they were thinking. There are at least 12 separate historical events in which Jesus meets people. Some of them are indoors. Some of them outdoors. Some are during the day. Some come at night. Some come one-on-one. Some come to large groups. One time, Jesus cooks breakfast for seven people. Another time, to convince people he's real, he says, you got anything to eat? They hand him a piece of fish, just like the fish I ate at Culver's last night. He chews, swallows. Another time, he talks to 500 people at the same time. 500. Now, the evidence is so strong, it finally led Pincus Lapide, the late Jewish theologian, to say this, I accept the resurrection of Jesus not as an invention of the community of disciples, but as an historical event. It even convinces Peter, who is soon telling people this, God released Jesus from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. Death could not keep him in its grip. And he's willing to die and does rather than deny what he knows is true and what he's seen with his own eyes. John says, we touched him. That's how real it was. Now, like those first followers of Jesus, though, many people today find a story that a dead body starts walking around and eating fish just too much. (laughs) They just think it's still nonsense. And even we Christians sometimes have our doubts, do we not? When the disciples, who have now seen Jesus resurrected many times, are, are going with Jesus for his great commission, the Bible says this fabulous line, the disciples worshipped him, though some doubt it. (laughs) It sounds like every group of disciples I've known. All right. But it turns out that what sounds like nonsense is the only thing that makes sense of your life and mine. I I just want to briefly mention three ways it does that. And as I do, I wonder if one of these is especially what you need to hear tonight. Well, first, the resurrection of Jesus makes sense of our past. Our past. Most of the time, as we look back, our past doesn't make sense, or at least not complete sense. We think, why did that have to happen? Why did my life fly by so quickly? 
Why did I talk myself out of that? Why did I shoot myself in the foot about that? And we feel these places, do we not, of pain and regret. Well, what makes sense of our pasts that are like that is forgiveness. I need someone to somehow help me forgive others. I need to forgive myself. I need to be forgiven for things that I've done and that I wish I could get back. Well, Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and then he took the long list of things from our past, the ones that we accuse ourselves of and the ones that others could rightly accuse us of, and he nailed that list to the cross and left it there. And now he's alive, and he's here to tell us there is no condemnation for those who belong to me. None. No condemnation. You and I walk out of here tonight knowing that every single thing we've ever done is completely forgiven. When I was a kid, my favorite toy was the classic red Etch-A-Sketch. Right? A toy so fabulous, you can still buy one on Amazon 60 or more years after they brought it out. And uh, when you're drawing on an Etch-A-Sketch, what happens if you mess up the picture? No problem. Flip it over, go turn it over, you got a clean slate. Jesus says, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save it. He died for your sins and mine. He died for those things in the past, and then he rose to assure us we're forgiven and to give us the power to forgive and to heal. The only thing that makes sense of our past is resurrection. Thank God. I wonder how many of you needed to hear that tonight. But it also, it's so good, it makes sense of our present. So often we feel, my life is out of control. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Recently, I read in the New York Times where they interviewed five people from around the country, tried to get a variety, and they asked them this question. They said, if you had to pick one word to describe how you're feeling these days, what would it be? I wonder how you might answer that question. You might think about that. If you had to pick one word to describe how you're feeling, what would that be? And here, here were the answers of the five people they happened to interview. Thinly spread. Okay, she cheated. That was two words. But <laughs> impatient. Existing. Exhausted. Conflicted. Well, friends, you see what you and I need is a power greater than ourselves. We were never meant to live life under our own power. That doesn't work. But the resurrection of Jesus means that Jesus has the power he claimed to have. He said before it happened, nobody takes my life from me. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to raise it up again. And now he takes that amazing power, like nuclear power, and makes it available to us. The Bible says how incredibly great is God's power to help those who believe him. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. So I know this verse has been overworn, but it is true. You and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I can finally love that person who is hard to bear. 
I can find grace to accept this situation, which I don't like, but I cannot change. I can find the courage to try to change and change the situation that I can. And all of a sudden, because of the power of the risen Lord Jesus Christ, my presence starts to make sense. Is God speaking that to you tonight? Do you need him in an area of your presence? Well, finally, the resurrection, which makes sense of our past and sense of our present, makes sense of our future. See, one problem you and I both have is this thing called death. I'm going to die someday. So are you. Even kids know this. Children were asked to write sentences about what they believed about death. And Gilda, aged eight, said this. When you die, they put you in a box and bury you in the ground because you don't look too good. (laughs) Death ends life, man. Death ends relationships. Death ends achievements. Death ends hopes. Larry Ellison, the founder of Oracle, he's, he's currently the 10th richest man in the world. He's working on it, though. He said, death makes me very angry. How can a person be there and then just vanish and not be there? And so he's spending tens of millions of dollars trying to fix that. And actually, there are some encouraging signs. I was reading that last month in La Jolla, California, researchers at the Salk Institute announced that they can reverse the aging process in middle-aged and elderly mice. Which (laughs) makes me wonder how that works, but... Listen, Jesus figured it all out a long time ago, and it's free. Jesus is the leader of a new movement where dead people stop being dead. As the Bible puts it, Christ has been raised from the dead. He's the first of a great harvest of all who have died. And this, friends, is not just some kind of genetic rewind where some of your cells are reset to younger states it is a completely new and better body it's the one like jesus christ came out of the grave with the bible promises every believer in christ our bodies are buried in brokenness you don't look too good but they will be raised in glory they're buried in weakness but they will be raised in strength friends listen they may carry me into wheaton cemetery but i am walking out You and I don't have to fear death. The Bible says we don't fear as if the grave were the last word. Since Jesus died and broke loose from the grave, God will most certainly bring back to life those who died in Jesus. Our friends, because of Easter, our past is forgiven. Our present is empowered. And our future is life and joy because we will be with the one and the only one who walked out of his own grave. Amen.